This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and any education is incidental. While the host may use clean language, the content that you're talking about has no such guarantees. Between them, Heather and Nicole have over 40 years of music experience and over 40 years of dance. Point and Play is where they sit down with you to talk about their thoughts and opinions. And I'm Nicole, and today we are going to be talking about different key signatures and scales that different instruments favor, and why, maybe, sometimes, um, you pick up a piece, and you play it, and it's not written for you, and you kind of hate playing it, even though it should be totally fine. I don't know what that's like. I have a fun (laughs) game that I play with my students sometimes. Um, I think it legitimately is fun. That is exactly that. And well, let's let's talk about the instruments first. And then we'll I'll share what that is at the end. So one of the the things as percussionist is that I play in whatever key the piece is, and that sounds like duh, everyone does. But it's like <laughs> if we are playing a piece, essentially, if we're playing a piece that the piano would be playing in a sharp i am going to be playing it in a sharp i'm going to be playing it in b flat i'm going to be playing it in c sharp i'm going to be playing it in e whatever the like what piece is this what what key is this orchestral piece written in that's what my instruments are going to be playing in and i have learned throughout my time in orchestra and band but that's not the case yeah (laughs) for the other instruments the other instruments are like uh yeah so we have five sharps and i'm like we're in b flat like what are you doing that's not even the correct (laughs) that's not that's That's not gonna be one of those that relates but that's okay yeah because i don't know (laughs) Um, i don't do it um (laughs) you don't have to worry about it so i'm just so i remember being like a little itty bitty sixth grader going what do you mean we're all in flat why are you having sharp what is this (laughs) So, Nicole, enlighten us, please. (laughs) Okay, so I'm not really going to cover what's called transposing instruments in a very granular way, but I'm going to give you like a very truncated, very pulled down and simplified, pared down and simplified idea. Mm -hmm. A transposing instrument is an instrument whose music is written in a different key than everybody else or than the people who are not it their particular key right um but the reason that that happens is because when those instruments were either being created or popularized or like worked into our <laughs> our western music this is specifically a western music thing as far as i know i don't have any idea if non western music specifically instruments have transposing keys i don't know so my knowledge comes from like america and western european music but if you guys know the answer to that let us know if there if yeah i would love i would love to know if if there are more transposing instruments around the world than just the ones that i'm aware of um but this is purely from that perspective a transposing instrument is one 
where somebody made an instrument and then looked at it or a group of people collectively looked at it and said, you know what? This is basically the same concept as something else. But all of our notes with the same fingerings, with the same instrument setup sound different. So what if we pretended that they were the same (laughs) and we just called all of the fingerings the same notes as they are on a different instrument and said, this is fine. And then somebody went, wait, but if we do that and we tell everyone to play a C, for example, then we're not going to play the same note. And then somebody went, no, 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 you don't understand. We'll just tell them to play a different note to make it sound right. Rather than telling them to play an actual, what would be an actual C, like the same pitch. Uh, yes, exactly. They, so, they're like, uh, no, we're going to tell you to play a C. We're going to tell you to play, I don't even, again, I don't do the transpositions. You play a C. Uh, well, I, I, can, I can give you a real example. <laughs> yeah, give, give okay. us an actual Give us an actual example instead of Heather just making up key signatures off the top of her head. It's like math. You make it up, right? No. Um, So uh, a real example that is a real example that is not those (laughs) uh, is when if you're playing in what's called the concert pitch, which is the real pitches, the letters as they are for that's the term. There we go. The default, (laughs) the default instrumentation, right? I promise. If you're playing orchestra. (laughs) orchestra doesn't have to worry about this uh if you're playing a concert c on a clarinet if a clarinet picks up their clarinet and plays their c the note that they call c it will sound like a concert b flat so everything written for the clarinet has to go up what's called a whole step which is that's gross a whole other concept it is. It's really gross. Uh, it's really annoying. Um, however, I do have a um, a sneak, tricky hack, life hack for you. If anybody is like, oh, no, how do I even know what notes are going to match if I don't play all these instruments? If you look at what's called the circle of fists mm-hmm. and you find the key that one instrument is written in and you find the key that another instrument is written in, and you write for them with the opposite key signature, their notes will match. Oh, wait. Okay, so if... So if I write a piece for a... If I have a piano and a clarinet, because we've already established that uh, piano is a B-flat instrument, transposing instrument, and piano is is concert C. If I write in B-flat for the piano and I write in C for the clarinet, they will end up on the same note. Okay. And then you can just like rotate that around the circle of fists to figure out your key signature for everybody, which works great for me because I'm visual. <laughs> um, and the circle of fists is its own separate thing. The circle of fists is a, a sneak uh, mathematical, repre- well, I call it mathematical. It's a visual representation of uh, keys, keys in music, basically. Yeah. So and it then- puts them in a pattern for you in a really pretty circle. To rephrase what I said at the beginning of this episode in actual correct terms, now that my brain's functioning properly, <laughs> the, percussion, no, the percussion instruments that I play that have actual tuned pitches, to my understanding, and I could be wrong, but so far, to my understanding, are all played in concert pitch. 
So if the director says play a B flat concert, like concert B flat, I'm playing the B flat on the marimba or on the xylophone or even on the timpani. Um, I'm not sitting there going, okay, so B flat. So that's actually (laughs) like, I'm just like, there's there's my B flat. There we go. Um, And I'm not even from the get go. I'm not having to do those, those different questions. Right. But a clarinet would be looking at their instrument for a concert B flat. A clarinet would look at their instrument and play a C and an E flat saxophone, uh, which is the Barry saxophone and the alto saxophone. I'm sorry. Wait, did I say that right? I don't know. (laughs) I don't play sax. I did. I did. It's fine. (laughs) I did. Uh, Because it's the tenor and the soprano that are B flat Uh, for an E flat saxophone. They would be looking at their instrument and playing an F. So what's your game that you do that you mentioned? I'm going to get to that at the end. Okay. okay so let's okay. let's also then talk about uh, what the thing that we were that kind of sparked this because this is related is instruments that really like different keys. So we should pare this down a little bit. I don't mean that certain instruments are like ooh, this one, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of this, like, ooh, this one key is fits really well in my instrument, makes a lot of sense, and it's the least amount of, like, awkward things that I have to do with my fingers to make it happen. <laughs> um, generally speaking, instruments that are uh, wind instruments that you put air into, this is a very, this is very broadly defined, tend to, like, flat keys. So as a reminder for anybody who is not a musician and who listened to our episode before this and you don't remember what flat keys are, here's your um, kind of recap. A flat is when you take a regular letter and you go down one pitch. So like a B to a B flat, B flat is one note lower. A sharp is you take that regular letter and you go one note higher. So, generally speaking, on a wind instrument, uh, this is very broadly speaking, so generally speaking for clarinet, saxophone, trumpet, trombone, tuba, actually not trombone, trombone is, <laughs> has a slide, that's a whole different thing, but for everybody else, you put fingers down more fingers down equals a lower note because when your air is going through your instrument, the less chance that that air has to escape closer to the top of your instrument, like the less that'll happen, the lower your pitch. So generally speaking, wind instruments as a group tend to like flat keys because to get lower to go flat, you put a finger down. (laughs) That's a lot easier than like... It's good to know. Removing fingers for whatever reason. It just kind of works out that way. We like pitches where we have to think <laughs> down if you're a wind instrument. It just it just is the way it is. Now, flip oh, that. And then stringed instruments. And then, yep. <laughs> and then stringed so. instruments, it's the opposite. You like sharp keys because when you put a finger down, it makes the string on your instrument shorter, which gives you a higher pitch. If someone had given me that explanation in middle school, that would have made so much sense and helped my. Because <laughs> I, out a little. I did play yeah. violin, so for me, yeah. visualizing that is actually extremely easy to go. But when, but when I put my fingers down, it goes up. 
Yeah. That but makes for, sense. But it's really, it's a lot easier to like add a finger than it is to subtract fingers because we only have so many fingers. Exactly. And so if, and if you you're thinking subtracting. to to a different string to hit the right yes. note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And okay. I'm learning, so you guys. It's, this is a very broadly, like there are people who individually don't fit this pattern. And there are instruments like, I'm not actually certain what direction the trombone goes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have not go... played trombone, and trombone is very different from other wind instruments. I'm pretty sure the slide goes out to get higher. So then I don't know what way that would fall. I don't know what way it would fall, but it, but in yeah. terms, it, it would be easier. And then they change. I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure then <laughs> when they they adjust what pitch they're breathing into the instrument and they right. start over and go I would so I would say that it's probably easier for them to do sharp because I would love to hear from somebody who plays trombone if you like flat keys better or if you like sharp keys better and this is this is my please message us on twitter email us having yeah. watched trombone players I have not actually <laughs> ever talked to a trombone player about how their instrument works I thought I thought so, for a second you were going to end that sentence with I've oh, never actually talked to a trombone player which would be objectively much funnier but also not I, true <laughs> I'm sorry I have friends in the low brass Nicole I, I talk no, to I those do, people. I do too. I, I just know. think that that sentence would have been way funnier. It would have been. But no, I've I've talked to trombone players, but I haven't specifically been like, so what are you like? You know? Right. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about this? But yeah, yeah. So that would be my guess is that they would prefer, based off of that theology of it, the mm-hmm. words. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot easier... It's a lot easier for a wind instrument to go, okay, I know where E is. Mm-hmm. And then I just put down another finger to get E flat. That's yeah. fine. Then it is to think like, okay, I have to start with E and then I have to take up a finger. And what if I have to take it up and move it? And like, that's yeah. just more stressful. And then for me personally, we did talk about this very briefly before we started recording. I don't know if it is easier for percussionists to go sharp or flat as a general what other percussionists prefer i personally I don't know think better it. in flats i think better in yeah. flats it is so much easier uh, but you also had a lot more band where you were in band playing flat keys which you yeah, also did mention earlier and so that I might was, just be practice but i was also like but i also played piano and i also That's played true. violin and yeah. i like so so it could just be that my body is like yeah going down feels easier rather than going <laughs> Like, right. move my hands to the right or to the left rather than to the right. Well, you're um, also left-handed. Oh, that's... F- oh, shoot. Maybe going down it. and maybe going it, to the left is just nicer. Yeah, it's just nicer it's going to my dominant hand. That actually could be it. So, if you're uh, <laughs> again, if you're a percussionist, let us know if you actually personally have a preference of which way you move. Like, and, yeah. and the, this isn't it, but it's in my brain related. Uh, yeah. I like lower pitches. So going lower is just nicer for me. Like I'm sorry, have you ever even just if it's, rolled on a even low if it's a? just a half step, you're just like yay. Yeah, have you ever rolled on a low A on a four and a half octave marimba? I'm sorry, it is heaven. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, I prefer to move down rather than to move up. And my brain thinks now my brain thinking better with the flats is probably so much with band. Um, yeah, but but yeah, so I'd be be very interested to hear anyone else's responses to this so uh as we kind of wrap up 
uh, our first half of this episode. Here's the game I play with my students. So here's the thing. Even instruments, this goes back to like how instruments are constructed again, right? There are certain keys and certain notes that are great on some instruments and other instruments kind of hate them. Even if flats and sharps aside, just in general, for example, it it, it kind of depends on how your instrument is constructed. So like, for example, my clarinet players don't like C sharp as a note. <laughs> and we also don't like G sharp as a note because in certain places on our instruments, those notes just sound very bad and they're kind of awkward to play. Um, we also don't really like things that have us go what's called over the break a lot of times. So if you go like in the middle of the staff, if you go like A, B, C, which that would be great on a piano. That would be great for a lot of instruments. It's really bad on a clarinet because a clarinet is built very weird. And a clarinet was built because somebody said, well, one octave per like hand combination of fingers is fine. But what about one and a half? <laughs> and then they made the clarinet. <laughs> and so the clarinet doesn't divide out as easily. And you have to do a whole like embouchure thing and air thing and finger thing and muscle in your face thing to like jump up to higher notes which we call the break where you that spot where you like jump up from lower notes to higher notes and there's technically two because you have an altissimo register also so you've like the break in the middle and then we also have jumping up to our altissimo register which is just more it's just more difficult on that instrument in case you thought instruments were simple (laughs) right (laughs) um but uh basically clarinet players don't like those three notes in the middle because it's just it's just a lot of extra work it's so hard it's so hard to make it sound good even if you do a good job it's hard to make that sound good um but a saxophone player for example going abc that's nice (laughs) we don't we don't hate that and abc sharp is arguably better because c sharp is your open pitch now c sharp also sounds very bad on a saxophone but ABD, not a problem. I can do that. On a clarinet, I don't want to. <laughs> I can. I don't want to. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and on a trumpet, for example, um, that would be fine. That would be nice. And that is the easiest ABC or ABD is uh, that's okay. Actually, I'm going to even say this a little bit more granularly. ABC on a trumpet, great. ABD is annoying because you have to switch which finger is down. (laughs) So here's the game I play with my students. I hand them music that is at their level. It's not egregiously hard. Sometimes I even make it a little bit easier than they've been playing. And I have them sight read it. And I don't tell them who it's from or who it's for. And I, I, I don't just pick a random piece. Like I pick a piece from like an instrumental book. So I know that it was written for something in particular, right? And then I get them to think critically after playing it and tell me why they do or don't like playing it. And then we try and guess what instrument it was written for. That's a really good way to also have them 
be thinking about the other instruments and how they function. That's the plan, honestly. Um, And the thing is, like, as a teacher, I don't go into this not knowing the answer most of the time because usually what I happens is I find something that I've taught for a different instrument and then I just bring it with me. I don't just Google random pieces, right? Or I don't just pick up music that I've never seen. But I started, I came up with this to entertaining myself um, when I was playing pit in in orchestra for the musicals um, in college because, <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing, there's a lot of people that apparently write pit music and they don't actually know how the instruments work and so they just go, ooh, this sounds nice and then they just put something down on paper and then you get it as the instrumentalist and you're like, oh no. That still also Why? holds true for the percussion instruments as well. You're like, but it's it just does. rhythm. No, it's not. No, it's oh, not. Oh, so here's mm, here's the fun game mm. that I played with myself and then would Google and figure it out later. And I got very good at this um, in my four years in 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 getting my bachelor's. But this was purely just to entertain myself at the time. Um, I got very good at guessing what the primary instrument of the composer was. <laughs> so literally what I would do is I would look at other people's music and I would look at my music and I would say, okay, on what instrument would this make any sense at all? Oh, you play trumpet. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you writing for my clarinet? This is not good. (laughs) Don't like it. This is terrible. I'm sure it would sound great on trumpet. I'm sure it would be easy on trumpet, but you have given me the worst finger combinations and and you have made me play this at 180 beats a minute and I, this is not good on here. I love and I love the like it was so oh funny. it's a glockenspiel. Yes, please play an E5. No. That doesn't exist on that instrument, That's, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I can play a C5 depending on the glockenspiel as well. Like uh right. you need you need to it's going to be lower than you want, sir. <laughs> or ma'am or whatever like you know, honestly, the most egregious ones that I see, people that I can tell are clarinet players. I love my clarinet. My clarinet is, clarinet is difficult, as of, I've kind of alluded to already, clarinet is a little bit difficult to, like, just write music for if you don't understand how it works, because, sure, that piece will technically work, but it's just, it's it's more difficult than it should be if you just look at it. <laughs> Because of the instrument and how it's ri- how it's made and how it works, right? But, but the reason the clarinet is difficult partly is to give it more range and give it more like flexibility. Okay, so clarinet composers don't sometimes don't think about the fact that they have more notes. <laughs> they have more notes than a trumpet player, and they have more notes than a flute player, especially, and they have more notes down low. Like, yeah, sure, if you get up in the altissimo register, yeah, the flute can, not actually, the flute actually can't go higher, I think. Trumpet actually can't go higher than a clarinet. But also, for none of these instruments do we usually just write a lot in the altissimo register. So, like, except flute. Flute's kind of the weird example. But if you're writing for, for, like, in general, if you're, like, just writing pit music, you're not writing up in the stratosphere, because that, that's just not conducive to a good performance, depending for mo- most of the time, right? So what'll happen is clarinet composers will write down in their low range where it feels nice and it sounds nice, but they want a trumpet sound. And then a trumpet player will get that music and go, 
I don't have those. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. And a flute player is over here like, I don't have what you have even. I definitely don't have this. And it's just not, it's just not well done. Um, there was a lot of, of arranging experience that I just got being in pit because I was playing on a certain instrument and then I was like handed this thing and I kind of went to my teacher and I said, hey, this doesn't work on my instrument. And he was like, okay, well, you know what you're doing. Make it work. And I was like, okay. And then I fixed it. And then he said it was fine. <laughs> like that happened, I think, at least once per year with something. My freshman year, I think I took it to him and said, hey, what do you want me to do instead? Yeah. But, and like he never, you know, didn't have approval rights over it or whatever but there was always something there was always something where i pick up the music and i go that doesn't work on this instrument (laughs) yeah yeah that makes sense anyways i love i love playing that game with my (laughs) students It, it makes them think critically about what they're doing it makes them kind of examine things about their own instrument it makes them like take into consideration other instruments and hopefully, theoretically, it'll make them like more aware of other people and better critical thinkers. But it's also really fun. And it's so. also a good way to do it where it's for someone who's not potentially actively already getting exposed to the other instruments. Absolutely. Yes. It makes them be aware of that and that they are mm-hmm. just a piece of it. So, yeah. Keys are weird. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> that that being said uh i don't miss modes i'm I'm glad we do work with keys instead of keys and modes in our modern day oh that mm -mm. we'll talk about those another time yeah that's a different (laughs) okay Are you tired of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, the fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Nerf Herders. My name is Case Aiken, and for over two years, I've hosted my show, Another Pass, where I sit down with interesting guests to talk about movies that we find fascinating but flawed. Good movies, bad movies, doesn't matter. We find ways that they could have been improved. So if you ever thought that a sequel dropped the ball by forgetting about a plotline, that an epic could have been saved by introducing the director to an editor, or that a comedy didn't work hard enough to have some substance behind the laughs, then check out Another Pass podcast at certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, well that video was very different. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's very conceptual in a 
Heather, can you just voice for our our, our friends at home? What was your immediate <laughs> reaction when we stopped when this video ended? Oh gosh, my immediate reaction was that I felt like I had just read a story by Edgar Allan Poe. And what was the concept that we then found out was <laughs> behind this video? The concept of the video was a caged crow or raven dying from the lead paint in the walls of the abandoned building. I think so, they were trapped in the building. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so it was a yeah so very Poe. <laughs> it was a dancer dressed in a black short dress with a hood, um, a, in an like abandoned a black brick cowl with no sleeves. Yeah, in an abandoned brick building with paint peeling on the walls, and the choreography and the music and the the inner. It had intermittent shots with I can't my brain can't decide now if that was a crow or a raven which they're very similar but size is the big difference but we didn't have like a size comparison yeah, that camera thing. angle did not let us get i'm gonna say uh, crow i'm gonna go with crow um and to avoid the poe reference or uh no raven is is the poe reference that yeah but you said crow yeah so anyway um but it was like had intermittent like flash shots between this bird and the dancer um and the music at one point, Nicole literally said, I, I don't think this is the right music. I mean, it probably is, but because it's very. This was <sighs> definitely OK. This is definitely a performance where the emphasis was the story and the music was so minimal and like consistent that consistent. Yeah. The music was almost just a mood instead of very much a mood. That, that's it, a way it to describe not, it. <laughs> Yeah, it was not, here is my choreography to this track. Mm -hmm. It was, here is choreography that I want to perform to tell this story. Now, what can I put in the background that it doesn't matter when I stop it mm -hmm. because it's all the same? And it was very, it's not the way I choreograph and it's not the way I choose music even when I am chore choreographing for characters or for story work. Mm -hmm. And so... The, the choreography was, like, was really cool because like her ankles oh, were very awesome. at the beginning her her arm angles I noticed because we watched it twice and the second time through I noticed yeah. that her arms were um very reminiscent of like being wings like the the elbows bent and out to the sides and it was definitely not classical style ballet uh she was in ballet flats um but definitely very yeah. I would say modern is probably but, the best um she looks maybe lyrically trained yeah um, but lots but yeah. of angles lots of different lines we've talked about lines with ballet specifically before very different like it was very intentional of yeah. how her, her body was angled and at the end she has a death scene and curls up and like lays down and rolls over and it takes multiple beats of music and it's very evoking it's the best word i can come up for it <laughs> um and then you have this shot of her laying on the ground but you're looking down the stairwell and my first thought looking at that was like it looks like she fell down the stairs i mean and then she we, was a bird that stopped flying yeah. and died so yes and then we were going through the comments and it was like yeah and this is the how it how it is and we're like oh that's yeah yeah that would do it uh-huh 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 <laughs> i just really love, cool it was it was funny because you said 
you know, that you felt like you just <laughs> it was an existential, read an Edgar Allan Poe. I said this was uh, a, a really interesting video that made me have an existential crisis. So it's really yeah. cool, but be careful when you watch it. <laughs> Make sure it's yeah. good timing. <laughs> well, and it was just funny to me because you said Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, granted, there were shots of the bird. Mm-hmm. However, not everything with a raven or a crow immediately yeah. no, it was, gives it was Edgar very Allan Poe impressions. It was very much that thing. Angsty. But I just want to say, yeah, I, d- I just want to say that they succeeded mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in what they were going for because that is that feel. It was just very, it was just very funny to have very, Heather kind of go, wait a second. It was very muted coloring except for there were some shots of you looking outside. It was very vibrantly green trees outside. Um, I think the building was just white and shipping and painted yeah like like there was a blue wall and it like stuck out but the the overall feeling wasn't in any way at any point this is a happy dance this is a happy occasion it was what are you telling us no it was i need to know like you as the audience are like what i what's the what is like you you can't stop watching it's not like oh i don't know what's going on and leave you're like no i need to i need to and then you finish it you're like that didn't give me an answer. And then, and then you go through the <laughs> yeah. comments, and you're like, oh, well, nope, that did a really <laughs> good like, job. Oh, okay. Wasn't <laughs> supposed to. Yeah. Um, it's very, very interesting. And I personally am the weird person that loves um, reading things or watching things. Again, be careful when you pick when you're doing this, um, where you finish it and you kind of <laughs> go, huh? Oh. <laughs> Um, and then you sit with it and it goes over in your mind. Like you look at the different angles and you try to uh, extract the meaning from it. But it, it it has a meaning, but it doesn't mean that it's the meaning that you need to take away from it. Um, I right. love there was a book that I know, Nicole, you and uh, our other sibling, Robin, reviewed for uh, their podcast, Books That Burn, um, that had... I haven't read it yet, but I want to because it had at the end, there was no answer to this moral quandary that the main character was having through the entire short poetry book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, want to a long read way that. down. I want to read or a long that, way down. And I want to sit with it and I don't want the answer because it is a, ooh, <laughs> I have to, mm, I need to, I need to, oh, okay. I need to like look at this and mull it over and have it just ruminating in the back of my mind i'm that weird person but i don't do it all the time because i can't handle that all the time but i love those i love those now i don't like the ones that make you feel like you just did drugs and that's why you don't understand (laughs) what's going on i don't appreciate those it's not personally my headspace i want to sit in but like there was a book in high school i read that i think was called love drunk or something like that it was it was a, a story written out of order over multiple generations but oh. it focuses on this one main character but it's kind of like you have an interaction with this main other family member uh right. and then the next chapter is that family member when they were 10 and like you're seeing what's going on in their history and how and you're just getting the puzzle pieces but you're also trying to put the puzzle together but you're also like learning this family's history uh, and at the end of it, we were doing it in groups. And we were each group had a different book. And my group wanted a different book. They were mad. They were like, 
I couldn't understand it. I didn't get it. I don't know why we had to read that. Like, that didn't make sense. And I was like, oh, it made sense. But you had to sit with it. You had to put the pieces together. You had to pay attention and ask the questions. Because if you didn't ask the questions, then when you were given the answers, you didn't know what to do with them. Okay. <laughs> and that's how that, that the video we just watched felt as well. It was like, what are you, why, and why is your head going into the wall? And there's paint falling on top of you. Are you aware of that? Like it was paint chips from the wall. And yeah. the, like just drawn in like, what am I watching and why? But ooh, <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it better than that. <laughs> yeah, no, this this one is very much a I feel like you could watch this with no sound. Mm-hmm. And still, like, there's nothing taken away. This is that's not a bad thing. Yeah, you could watch this with no sound and not lose any of the story, which it could also be an interesting. It's very different experiment of kind of how they've done before, where they've taken different like movie trailers and put a different movie soundtrack behind it. You could do that with this and see how mm-hmm. how it affects what you're watching. Um, oh, easily because the choreography yeah. is very free form but very conceptual and very intentional but i also wouldn't be surprised if the dancer said i'm gonna walk down this hallway and i'm gonna come over to this wall and then i'm gonna lay down in this stairwell and the music started and she made it up i would not be surprised because in her mind you have a certain vision of what you're gonna do but it might not have Mm -hmm. been each step choreographed just play the music and what you're doing is gonna evoke the image you want um that i would not be surprised at all if that's how it was choreographed hello my cat i need you to not be rubbing (laughs) on the microphone thank you (laughs) eclipse has been so needy and i say this because he's off on his own asleep and then i start doing things with the computer and he's like hello hi my love (laughs) all right go ahead and hit stop Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you would like to interact with us on social media, you can find us at Point and Play on both Twitter and Instagram. To find all of our videos that we talk about on the podcast, as well as other things we think are interesting or important, head over to our Point and Play YouTube channel. If you would like to support us by dropping us some money, you can head over to either our monthly Patreon or our one-time payment Ko-fi link. All of these links are in the episode description. We'll see you next time.